0: This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name's Larry Lannan. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49. I volunteer. Uh, helping out with various communication issues, also a retiree. So, we want to welcome you to our what we normally like to think of as a weekly podcast, Chapter 49 podcast. We are going to take a little time off around holiday time, so this will likely be our, our last podcast for 2020. Saying goodbye to 2020 is not such a bad thing. And we welcome once again our Chapter 49 president, Duncan Giles. Good morning, Larry. And we also are very happy to have as a guest. We've had many guests on the program. It's the first time we've had one of uh, Duncan's fellow chapter presidents. Uh, we have John Kelshaw from Chapter 60 in New Jersey. So, John, welcome. It's great to have you with us.
1: Thanks very much, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm honored that Duncan would consider me to uh, take part in this. I'm really excited. Thanks. Yes,
0: uh, Duncan is our uh, booking agent. So. Yeah. I'm
2: very (laughs) frightened that John's honored now, so so we're already starting out (laughs) scared.
0: Well, we we appreciate having both of you here. I just want to say something early on, Uh, John. One thing your chapter is well known for is your newsletter, and it's the I think you still call it the Bulldog, correct? Uh, the watchdog. The watchdog. Excuse me. Okay. I'm yeah. glad I asked. Yeah. Um, and you always have little. You have a little bulldog as kind of an insignia. So I guess that's what threw me off. But it's the watchdog. Uh, yes. We have had newsletters. We haven't had any lately because the this this old guy that, that's in charge of the newsletter, uh, Duncan, just has to get on him all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And And uh, uh, that would be me, by the way. And I just, uh, with the podcast and everything, haven't had time to do one. Plus, everybody's been scattered with uh, coronavirus. I'm not sure how many people would would read it. But John, you do something. You're uh, you're much more brave as a chapter than I would be because you actually do have jokes of the month okay. as Your part. You
1: surprise, Larry. Uh, how, many, how many emails I get. This goes out across the country because I send it to chapter presidents and friends send it to friends and we send it to national and to you. So it It gets widespread distribution, and the one comment I get the most is how people either like or do not like the (laughs) joke.
0: Well, I thought I'd just uh, give two or three examples here so people know what these are like. Uh, From the November edition, uh, joke number one. The cable repairman was on my street, asked me what time it was. I told him it's between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. Not a bad one there. And the second one was, a husband, concerned he might have uh, put on a few pounds, asked his wife, do you think my chin is getting fat? His wife smiled and replied, which one? So... As I said, it's it takes. Not always,
1: a, it's not always easy to get a joke that you can find to put in there.
0: Well, I'm sure that you have to have certain standards.
1: <laughs> <So> you <laughs> have to uh, <laughs> be very careful, otherwise you can get.
0: In but I uh, no, yeah, I I, I most, admire most you. Most
2: of the jokes that John tells are not fit for publication.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I agree it. with that.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, I guess we need to get down to business. Sadly, there are some serious issues uh, that we need to talk about. The first one is is. We do this a lot, unfortunately. While we are recording this podcast, there are events that are breaking all around us. The biggest breaking issue now, and the talks continue as we speak, we are recording this a little after 10.30 in the morning Eastern time on Thursday, December 17th. And talks continue on the coronavirus uh, uh, stimulus. If you want to call that uh, the money to support people in, in bad times created by a pandemic, The complication there is that all the uh, agency budgets are all uh, tied into this legislation now, which has a Friday at midnight deadline. I've noticed that NTE was apparently our lobbyists are getting a little concerned that something could happen to this could possibly fall apart and that uh, they're urging people who are members of the union to immediately contact their representative and two senators Uh, to try to make sure we do not have another shutdown. So, John, it's really sad to think that, you know, very possibly here we go again.
1: Yeah, it's like watching a a dog chase its tail, Larry. Uh, They run around, run around, run around, and then they catch it. And then what do they do? They let it go and they do the same thing all over again. This is a dance that they do every year. And uh, America's held hostage. I mean, federal employees are held hostage because we don't know what's going on with pay raise and benefits. But more importantly, this year. You have so many people affected by COVID who are out of work, need unemployment. Uh, they're going to be evicted from their places, their apartments and their houses. This really needs to get done. And I was watching the news yesterday and they had this problem solvers caucus who were all patting themselves on the back that they work together and they're going to get the job done. But I thought that's what Congress was supposed to do to begin with. Um, every year it just seems that we go through this and it's, it's like the movie Groundhog Day. I've seen it before
0: yeah duncan we've been through this before sadly too many times, and i you and I talked in a recent podcast about the most recent government shutdown, which was devastating for a large number of federal employees. It lasted for weeks. Let's hope we don't repeat that again, especially as we are about to change administrations
2: yeah it's it's getting uh it's getting really interesting. I was just reading right before the podcast that apparently um Uh, Representative Hoyer in the House and Senator Shelby in the Senate were both saying, well, you know, we may need to do another uh, short-term continuing resolution, another CR. And I'm like, dear God, can you not get your jobs done? Um,
0: You know, what I think is interesting uh, is when McConnell, who stayed out of this for the most part, got involved a couple of days ago. And when he said, we're not going home for Christmas recess until we get this done, that was the first time I thought the Congress might be getting serious. Because if you've ever known anybody in Congress or any staff member for the Senate or the House, they will tell you that is the biggest threat any leader can put over the membership of their caucus. We're not letting you go home for a vacation, particularly the
2: holidays. Yeah, it's it's just... Yeah, uh, you know, as John said, it, it, it's something that recurs every year. And this year, especially, it's bad when they we knew it was going to be dicey when they uh, tied the COVID relief in with the omnibus bill, which is all the appropriations bills put together. So we're just uh, very concerned about that. Hopefully, what best case at this point, because I don't think that they're going to get a bill passed uh, by the time. Uh, the funding expires at midnight tomorrow. So I believe they'll do another short-term CR, another short-term continuing resolution. And hopefully by then, uh, they'll get something passed. But that's, you know, I'm, I'm again being Charlie Brown and Lucy's holding the football and always yanks it up as I'm trying to kick it that's that's what this feels
0: like yeah i saw a member of the senate yesterday show the one of the bad drafts of the bill and it was uh it was it was as big as the tax code it just just was huge and i thought to myself here we go again congress will probably have to vote on legislation that it hasn't even read but john sadly we we see this happen all too often don't we
1: yeah uh I've been here at the IRS and working for the federal government. It's coming up on 38 years in January, so I've pretty much seen everything that goes on in Congress and around it. And uh, the players are different, but it's still the same game. Unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I've, yeah, uh, you know, I, I went to work for IRS in 1983, retired about nine years ago, and yeah, this it's like it's it's like, a little like Groundhog Day. You mentioned that already. Let's move yes. on. Let's move on to another issue, which is sort of t- which is tied to possible congressional action. Although it's been a lot of inaction on this, we've talked about this issue over what's called Schedule F. And again, if you're a tax law nerd, this has, this has nothing to do with farms. This has to do with the Schedule F that deals with federal employment. It has to do with who is considered to be. Uh, part of a bargaining unit, and who is a a presidential uh, appointee. So, Duncan, I'll ask you to start on this. Uh, There's been some action, or at least talk in Congress, about repealing this change in the Schedule F. Of course, time is running out. Uh, Kind of refresh everybody's memory who may have forgotten what this is about, what the issue was all about, and what is and may not be happening on this.
2: Yeah, basically, with Schedule F, it would convert... Uh, employees who came in as career conditional, even executives, as career conditional, meaning regular federal employees, and make them political appointees, which means that they can be uh, fired um, at the, for lack of a better term, whim of the um, president. And that is... That's getting into basically rewarding people. You know, this is what the whole civil service was set up to avoid. And it's just, it's bad policy. I mean, I've gotten emails from not only executives who are concerned about this, but employees who could be going into details and non-bargaining unit going, will this impact me? Because if I'm on a detail and they convert it to Schedule F, will I be, you know, sitting there without a job? And I had to assure them that, the vast majority of cases where they're going into it's going to be too low to be considered Schedule F, but that's the concerns that are out there. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's another very, very bad idea that um, strikes at the heart of civil service and what it should be. And um, I'm hoping that our Congress will do something to work on repealing it, and I'm sure that President-elect Biden will work on that if it isn't repealed.
0: You know, John, uh, there are only two political appointees at the IRS. That would be the commissioner and uh, the chief counsel, the person leading the office of chief counsel. Could you imagine what it would be like if we had senior executives as political appointees? I would say that would create nothing but chaos. Your, your views on that?
1: Well, I believe you're right. And I think that's the point of the whole thing. It's nothing more really, in my opinion, than a loyalty pledge. If you do what I want you to do, you're fine. If not, you're out. And you cannot keep moving around these executives and people that's been going on in the government for the last several years. It just causes instability in the organizations and the divisions and the security of the nation. And, um, like Duncan said, I mean, it makes everybody an at, it could make everybody an at-will employee who falls under it. And, you know, who knows what tomorrow brings. When you work for federal government, you don't get rich. One of the things that you come here for is a bit of job stability. And now we're going back to the pre-civil service days where they want to be able to get rid of you if you don't do what they say. And it's, it's very scary. And I'm hoping that uh, President-elect Biden takes care of it. And if he can't with an executive order, then the Congress uh, does something about it. I read a couple articles where they said, well, you know, it's, they're not really going to do anything because, you know, they don't really plan to use it. Well, we've seen how things weren't planned to get implemented lately.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a dangerous <laughs> a dangerous yeah. argument to yeah. make, yeah. Any, any of us who have been part of a bureaucracy for any length of time. You know, if you go back, and, and I was reading a, a book about Abraham Lincoln a while back, People don't realize that at that time, presidents spent a lot of their time like appointing postmasters in Podunk, you know, Illinois. It was like they handed out all these jobs, which is kind of nice in a way, but it took up a lot of the president's time to to make all these appointments, and he would have people line up at the White House uh, asking for jobs. And that several decades later it was when the, the nation realized, okay, this isn't working very well, we need to... Professionalized the civil service, and now to see it go back the other way is a uh, is, is is a pretty sad development. Uh, John, let me stay with you for a moment because the uh, the the budget bill. This I think the the, the uh, acronym is NDAA for Defense Act. the uh, The actual legislation funding the Defense Department has passed both houses of Congress by wide majorities, and I believe, if I remember the numbers correctly, uh, were veto-proof majorities in both houses of Congress. The president wants to veto the bill. It's already headed, or already on his desk by this point. And uh, I think we're about ready to see a showdown because people in his own party are very unhappy because uh, it's a bipartisan effort to get this defense bill passed, the president must, <clears throat> excuse me, veto it for reasons that have nothing to do with the defense bill. It also has a provision in there. The reason we are talking about it, uh, there's a provision in there to allow federal employees to carry over 60 more hours from one year to the next because of all the uh, confusion and difficulty with the coronavirus. So uh, I find it interesting. and I'd like your thoughts on this whole showdown between uh, Congress and the president over this defense bill.
1: Well, if you believe what you read, and most of the times I do because I think the press tries to get it right, they don't always. But from what I understand, the president wants to stop this bill because he wants to eliminate a provision that affects the internet and some of the social media platforms that he doesn't think they should have immunity from prosecution and things like that. It has nothing to do with the Defense Department and funding the defense of this country. So it's. it's sort more- of- The other part of that is the Confederate naming of the bases, too. That is true. He doesn't want to change the names of the Confederate bases, which have nothing to do with the defense of this country. Uh, He seems to want to get back at whoever because of that particular issue, and he wants to hold it hostage. But I guess all he doesn't realize is that all he's doing is pushing it down the road because it is veto-proof, and it's eventually going to go through. Uh, But the 60 hours of annual leave, that would affect a a lot of federal employees who didn't go anywhere this year uh, if it doesn't get uh, passed very soon.
0: Yes, and uh, I was just talking to John before we uh, started this, uh, Duncan, and it's always nice to have a lot of advance notice on an issue like what you can carry over (laughs) in your annual leave finally got right at the cusp of the end of the leave year. So people's plans are not exactly uh, solid anymore, but uh, yeah, that was interesting. It's part of the political debate. Uh, You mentioned that about these Confederate uh, names, people from the Confederacy, stars of the Confederacy in the Civil War, whose names are attached to these bases, these military bases, and... uh, um, uh, the president's even uh, pushing back on that, as well as what's called Section 530, dealing with social media. I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other discussion. So Duncan, I'm just kind of curious uh, to have your your thoughts on this uh, whole issue about the defense authorization bill.
2: Yeah, as, as John mentioned, this is just kind of nuts to do this because it's got wide bipartisan support um, and there are a lot of people that are on user lose, and when the president, to give him credit, gave folks Christmas Eve off, that played a part in it, and then you've got the additional possible 60 hours. Uh, so it's almost like taking a gamble, and I'm one of those taking that gamble. I should have been off um, a couple of days ago, but I'm taking a gamble that this is going to end up passing, I will be able to carry over more than uh, the 240. I'm I'm looking at another 24 uh, additional hours. So I've got a small bet on the table, not a huge one, but a small bet that that additional 24 will be able to be added to the 240 I'm rolling over, but it shouldn't even come to, you know, this late in the process. The president has 10 days from last Friday to either sign it, veto it, or let it go without his signature. And I'm really hoping that he will just go ahead and sign it because it is going to, you know, it's a must pass bill. There's no doubt about that. So it's going to go back to the House and it's going to go back to the Senate. And both of them will override this veto because there is well uh, enough support to do that. So he might as well go ahead and do this And like, say, for folks that are on use or lose uh, that have excess, this is a very, very important thing to go ahead and have so they can plan for it.
0: Yeah, my father worked uh, nearly 35 years as a civilian in the Defense Department. If he were alive today, he'd be furious at the political football that the basic defense uh, budget bill is, is, is being handed this time around. Decker, let me stay with you because you already touched on this briefly, but as we await the whole issue about the the coronavirus bailout, which is tied to uh, agency budgets such as that of IRS, uh, we, uh, tied into that but not getting as much publicity because of everything else surrounding it, is the pay raise. Uh, at one time, the administration was behind a 1% raise. Now they've backed off that. The Senate has said they, don't, they want no raise. They want to give us uh, no raise uh, as federal employees uh, in 2021. Um, so really, that's totally in flux. It really is, I think, going to depend on the final negotiations over everything. That seems to be the case. What are you hearing?
2: That's that's exactly it. Right now, I'm hearing nothing about the pay raise. The uh, defense bill, the NDAA that we just talked about, includes a 3.1% raise, I believe, for the military. Um, the president had proposed 1%, then yanked that back. Um, the Senate has said zero. So we don't know. And I've heard nothing one way or another on a 1%, no, no raise, more than a 1%. I haven't heard anything from any of my sources. be interesting to hear what John has to say on this.
0: Let's switch this over to John. What, uh, what are you hearing pay raise-wise either way?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with Duncan. I haven't heard anything recently.
1: Everything's pretty quiet regarding that. So um, uh, usually, when things are quiet like that, that's usually not a good thing. Usually, you hear. Yeah, and we would
2: we would urge everybody to uh, to go to NTU.org and contact their representatives and their senators to uh, make their voices heard about this. Make sure they do that on their
1: own time and on their own equipment, though.
2: Amen. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't want any ha- any violations of law here.
2: But yeah, God uh, forbid there should be a Hatch Act on. violation because we've never seen one of those before in the past couple of years.
0: Right, <laughs> what were you saying, John?
1: Uh, I was going to say, you know, Amen. To, I said we may get anybody who does that may get some time off, but it may not be carried over. It may be something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's the kind of time off you definitely do not want yeah, you don't to have. Want. <laughs> oh, we laugh, but it really isn't funny. I mean, uh, in fact, Duncan and I did a whole uh, podcast with one of our attorneys on the Hatch Act, uh, just as the, uh, just just as the presidential campaign was getting down in earnest. But even when it comes to legislative uh, issues, you want to make sure you use your own equipment, your own phone, your own time to contact. Members, and your own uh, computer equipment if you're using email. NTEU.org is the place to go. It's very easy to use. And if you're an NTEU member and have not set up an account on NTEU.org, it's very easy and simple to do. Just do that today. It won't take much of your time. It literally
2: takes minutes, just a few moments, actually, not even minutes, moments to do.
0: And then get once, you're, once you have an account, it's very easy to to get that email uh, sent to Congress. You can write your own or use a template. I always try to write my own maybe based on a template because it becomes pretty clear to the congressional staff when they're getting emails with the exact same language. So if you can just change it a little bit at least, that that always helps somewhat. Uh, okay, John, want to stay with you. You know, as long as I, Going back to 1983 when I started at IRS... Literally working in the supply room, mail room, uh, we had a we had a, a shredder there, and shredders have always been a staple at IRS. And I remember somebody had hung a tie, which was clearly a mess. It had been beaten up, and I said, "Where do why do why do people keep that tie up next to the shredder?" And I said, oh, one of the managers got his tie in actually in (laughs) hooked into the shredder and luckily we turned it off in time before it as he was moving toward the shredder with his whole body (laughs) so uh shredding has been a part of irs uh, as far back as i can remember and it all has to do with pii that information we are have to keep secret and have to destroy a special way as people are working at home this complicates things even more So, John, what are we hearing in terms of how employees are supposed to handle this PII when it starts piling up at their home?
1: Well, Larry, I got several calls a few weeks back from uh, employees in a certain office saying that, you know, the manager said bring the PII into the shredder. They brought the PII in. The shredder was full and there was a lock on it so they couldn't do anything. Uh, We told the managers, the managers sent me three or four emails that they had set up the chain to get something done. Nothing happened. So I finally went to uh, facilities management, which handles things like this. And I said, really, we have people who want to do this stuff. They're wasting time going in the office. Can you get it fixed? And they responded, I got to give them credit. Within an hour, they had somebody there to unlock. They had the company there to unlock it. But they, they either have to get more shredders or increase the frequency of when they clean them. And it just seems that since nobody's going in the office that much, this sort of fell off the table as an issue, but it's a real issue because you have people working at home and then you have the PII concerns of their family seeing it. You can get disciplined for that. If you don't, you know, some of them don't have cabinets at home. It's the whole gamut of problems that eventually ends up with a stack of PII that they have nothing to do with. But we we have had luck here in New Jersey where I did contact them and they did take care of it. But of course, there's probably situations that I don't know about because the people just give up on contacting anybody.
0: You know, Duncan, we've been—it's been ingrained in all of us to to treat this PII so carefully. And then now that we've been working at home, and really employees are not generally encouraged to come into the office much, if at all, as this piles up, it's got to be a a, a, a a tough issue. How how are people in Indiana handling that?
2: It's it has become a tremendous burden to be honest because you do create an awful lot of of PII you're not allowed to use your own personal shredder to take care of this it has to be through you know the government and so basically not only are you having to lug a lot of paper cases back but now you're also having to lug this PII that needs to be shredded as well and I've seen a lot of um a lot of ROs and a lot of RAs in the hallways here in the Minton Capehart building, you know, with just stacks of PII that has to be shredded. And there's got to be a better way to do this because it's just a huge inconvenience uh, to the employees to take care of something they that they truly want to take care of. Everybody is very mindful of PII. As John alluded to, you don't want to have it laying around at home, especially if you're not set up for it but you've got to have some way to do this where it's not going to be an additional burden on the employees and at the very least you should have these always the shredders and the uh, burn bins always being available to take this uh take this PII in large quantities
0: you know something Duncan uh, John uh touched on this. I don't think a lot of people think about the fact that if you have this PII at home, nobody is supposed to see it other than you, including your kids, your spouse, if you have other relatives living with you. That's why I think people get concerned about this.
2: It's got to be a huge concern. I mean, you know, it's it's just something that you don't want to have anything like that laying around. And a lot of people don't have, you know, a couple of extra cabinets where they can sit there and say, okay, do I put a zip tie on this? so I can lock it. So, you know, nobody will inadvertently go in for a pot or a pan uh, or a plate and having to rearrange space just to, you know, make sure that their PII is locked up. It's, it's just a huge inconvenience. And, you know, John, I think the problem is going to get worse as the winter goes on. Wouldn't you think so? Absolutely. And
1: we have the problem. We had the problem with council employees here in New Jersey where, a lot of people aren't lucky enough to live in a big house. So they may live, they live in a one-bedroom apartment with their kids and maybe somebody else. So now, first of all, they're giving them a hard time about working telework because their job usually isn't telework ready. So they give them a computer and force them to work home. Okay, that's good. But they don't really have the space where they can navigate everything. So when you're in a confined space like that, you have people running around all the time with kids trying to do schooling. You have PII What if somebody inadvertently sees it? And it took us a long time to get counsel to say, okay, in situations like that on a case-by-case basis, maybe there won't be any discipline if PII is disclosed. But, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Where are you supposed to put it? There's only so much room for everybody to do anything, let alone work with PII. So it is going to get worse. And, um, you know, it's – and then they say they don't have enough money to give people locked cabinets because it's – if you're working home, on telework, you're supposed to have a locked cabinet. And people who are working home, they never wanted to let work home before. Now they're forcing them to work home. So it's one thing on top of another, and I can just see it getting worse because I don't see this going back uh, anytime time.
0: So. You, you know something, John? I was actually involved in the, I guess would have been the 1990s uh, with the chapter Traveling the State as something we then call Flexi Place was being rolled out. And, uh, you know, something that was an issue in the 90s when we first got our contract language and what we then call FlexiPlace. It's like, you know, some things never change. It's still an issue. It's
1: it's like the budget every year.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Very much. Let me stay with you for a second, John. Uh, Something that uh, Duncan and I have talked about umpteen times on this podcast. That's the deferment of the Social Security tax, the employee portion of that. Uh, Most employees are subject to Social Security now. So as a result of that, we still do not know how that's going to be paid back in 2021. Obviously, we're not going to get an answer to that in 2020. And, and, you know, let's face it, Duck and I have talked about this before, that as IRS employees, we are not allowed to to be indebted in any uh, great deal. So we would actually have a debt to the government— If a bill comes due, and if it does come due, we don't know how it will be paid back. I I don't know about you, but I think that this, this uh, not knowing what's coming next, and the service, quite frankly, doesn't know either. You know, we're just the tax agency after all. Yeah. And uh, you know, our our chief counsel attorneys haven't been able to get anything approved as to how it's going to be done, which will also be involved with anybody else who happens to choose to to be involved in this. So, I'm just curious uh, what. The way this stands, how are things going in your chapter? What sort of questions are you getting from your own members?
1: Well, it first started when they instituted it. They put out directions and and information as to who was going to be subject to it. But that information was incorrect because it didn't include certain deductions or whether you were on a a health plan or a flexible savings plan. So how you computed whether you were included in that uh, particular issue was confusing. We got those questions answered. Then Duncan, I know Duncan put out a thing saying, hey, look, here's some advice. Take whatever money you're getting now and put it in a savings account or somewhere in a drawer where you're not gonna touch it because this this bill's gonna come due soon. But when you're living paycheck to paycheck and you can barely make it, you're not gonna be able to probably save that money. So what I see coming down the road is more people with debt, can't pay it, Proposed discipline, and then trying to work something out that's equitable to all parties. But it's going to be a problem throughout the country, not just here in New Jersey or in Indiana.
0: Yeah, Duncan, I think John's right. I mean, it, you would hope that there would not be a slew of disciplinary actions, but if people get behind in a government debt, that's, that's something that you know, just based on uh, all the laws and, and guidance we have would have to be dealt with one way or the other. So you're going to have to be in the, in the position of defending these employees.
2: Yeah, the the flip side of that, if it doesn't occur that way and they say, okay, we're going to take out double your Social Security uh, for the first four months of 2021, then you don't have the debt repayment issue, then you have, how in the heck am I going to pay my mortgage, my utilities, my car payment, those types of things, because you've gotten used to having a paycheck. That's, you know, doesn't have the Social Security tax taken out. Now, all of a sudden, not only are you having it taken out, but you're having it doubled. So there are going to be issues with with that as well. I mean, there's just no good solutions. And these were all, this is um, an unforced error. It basically something that says, you know, hey, we're going to give you this loan. You're taking this loan. We don't give you a choice. Um, it, it's just, it was bad form once it became a deferment instead of a tax holiday. It should have been dropped. It was not. And now we're going to have to see a lot of bad consequences from it.
1: Uh, and, and you look at it, when they made these, when they made these uh, PPP loans when everybody was in for they forgive millions of dollars to these corporations. But you're not going to forgive a couple hundred bucks to a grade three secretary who's a single mother. There's no equity. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and I don't. I don't see Congress. I early on, I was really hoping Congress might do something on that, and they may still slip it in the omnibus bill. But I think that's about the same chance as me being named Mister Universe this year—slim and none. Um, Agreed. I, I, yeah, I would love to. I would love to see it forgiven, but I just, I just don't think they'll do it. John, but I think are- the issue's been forgotten. They've moved on.
0: John, we're technically out of time, but I want to ask you one last question. Uh, Just, you know, John and uh, Duncan and I have been talking for months about coronavirus and various issues going on in in Indiana. I'm just curious. uh, New Jersey is an entirely different place in terms of your economy, the makeup of, of of your chapter. I'm just curious what issues you're dealing with with coronavirus and any other major issues you're dealing with as a chapter.
1: One of the issues we, we've had three or four PODs shut down because people came into the TAC who who have had it, or uh, you know uh, uh, an employee came in who tested positive. But one issue we're having is we're not far from New York City, and we have a lot of employees from New York who live in New Jersey. So what happened? What's happening in in a couple of instances? These employees don't want to go into New York City and take mass transportation, or go into New York where it's also a problem but what they want to do is come to one of our PODs in New Jersey to send out their government mail. But the problem is their boss is approving it, but they're not getting approval from facilities management and security people and management on our side of the river. So they're showing up at these PODs to to, deli- to send mail when they shouldn't be doing that. I mean, it's not that we're against helping them, but in a pandemic We can't just have people coming and going who we don't know who they are or when they're showing up. So that's an issue we've had to deal with lately, but we have had four PODs shut down uh, in the last few months because of COVID for a few days for cleaning.
0: Uh, Duncan, uh, you're getting ready to take that leave, uh, use or lose leave you've built up here and hoping you get your 60 hours carried over. So uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up our, our final podcast for 2020?
2: I just, I just want to commend all the employees that listen to this in Indiana and across the country uh, who've done a tremendous freaking job in unbelievable adversity that we've never had to deal with in our lifetime. And I, I just want to thank everybody because they've done awesome. And I you know, hope everybody has a great and safe holiday season, a great Christmas, Hanukkah, uh, New Year's, whatever you celebrate. I hope you have, you know, be safe, be thinking about it. Wear your masks, where appropriate. Don't go outside your bubble even as much as you want to. Um, you know, continue to wash your hands, just be safe. It, you know, it's, it's not worth going to a Christmas celebration if you could lose somebody from that. So I just I just wanna thank everybody for everything that they've done and just please be safe.
0: Well, Duncan Giles, our president for Chapter 49, you just heard him, and John Kelshaw, chapter president of Chapter 60 in New Jersey. Um, I want to thank you for uh, being a part of the podcast. Great to have you with us uh, this time. Uh, Thank you for having me. We'll uh, be back with our Chapter 49 podcast again in 2021. So as I leave you today, once again, I will simply ask that you be kind and be safe.